Well, Merry Christmas once again, and like Leslie said, uh, we have so much to be thankful for and grateful for, and so much to celebrate this Christmas season. 2020 belongs to Jesus. And aside from everything going on in our world and those that we have lost and those that are sick and can't even imagine certain circumstances and what people are walking through, I would not change 2020 because we have seen God do some incredible miracles and things that have taken place this year have been beyond words. And there is always hope if you look for it. And this morning, we have a really awesome Christmas message for you, one that we feel like is going to stretch you um, a little bit in maybe how you have heard the Christmas story told or what you believe about the birth of Jesus. Um, But our prayer today is that you will understand the power of believing. And we've titled our message this morning, I Believe. And we're going to begin in Luke chapter two. It's on the screens. You can also turn there or flip there on your your phone. Luke chapter two. And we pick up the story here. Mary and Joseph have arrived in Bethlehem. And Mary has given birth to baby Jesus. And we see in that same region, the word says, that there were shepherds abiding in the fields, right, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Every time I read this, we were a part of a choir in college that every year, Christmas at Valley Forge is what it was called, every year we sang Handel's Messiah, and so if you've ever heard any of that, uh, those choral scores, the, the, these verses are all throughout that music. So it always takes me back to that. I'm not, what? Sing a part that I remember. Uh, well, from this, uh, and suddenly there was an angel of multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, any, anybody know where it goes from there? Glory to God. The whole choir comes in right there. It's, you know what, what would always terrify me? The very last song of Handel's Messiah. Anybody know what it is? The Hallelujah Chorus. And every year, I would be so scared because there is right at kind of the climax of the song, right at the very end, it just keeps repeating, Hallelujah, 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 and then it stops. And I was always afraid there was going to be one person in the choir that adds their own extra hallelujah right there. It would just completely kill the moment because it's super powerful. I mean, the orchestra's playing, the choir's singing. It's so full of energy, and, but it never happened, not one time. I did have a girl once pass out that was standing right to my left, locked her knees in, and right in the middle of it, down she goes. Um, good memories. So we pick up the story here. Baby Jesus has just been born. And starting in verse 8, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. 
And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. And found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. I thought it's really powerful that the shepherd's immediate response, their immediate reaction to encountering Jesus was what? They had to go and tell everybody what they had seen. When we encounter Jesus, when we encounter his goodness and his love and his blessing, our immediate response, we are compelled to tell others about what we have experienced. So I'm excited because I get to do the history part of this sermon today. And while we were studying about this moment in the birth of Jesus, when the shepherds are abiding in the fields, watching their flocks by night, I was like, that's just such a cool story. So the shepherds, they were the lowest of the low in society. They took care of the sheep, but they weren't looked highly upon. They were not, you know, they were just shepherds in a field. But what I want us to see today, we've read this in several commentaries and several papers, which is so fun. They weren't just any old shepherds in a field that night. Because you see, folks, nothing is a coincidence in God. Nothing is a coincidence. You've heard us say that so much this year, that when we're walking with him, when things happen, they're not by coincidence. They're not by chance. We don't believe in fate. We believe in the will of God. And nothing is a coincidence. So these shepherds, they weren't just abiding in the field, hanging out, and all of a sudden the angels just were like, oh, let's get those guys and scare them to crazy. But they were important. They didn't know how important they were. But these shepherds were trained shepherds. These shepherds were trained to raise special lambs. Because every day there were sacrifices made in the temple for Jewish people. Sacrifices from the blood of the lamb to absolve sin, to cover over sin. So these shepherds were strategically placed because these shepherds didn't just take care of any sheep. They didn't just shepherd over just all the sheep or just, they took care of the sheep that were used for the sacrifices of sins in the temple in Jerusalem. So these sheep that they had in the field were important These shepherds had been trained by the Levitical priests to care for these sheep. Because when the sheep had come to the the temple, they had to be without spot or blemish, right? Without spot or wrinkle is what I think. But they had to be perfect, right? So 
These shepherds are in a field, literally strategically. When you read the scripture, they are right outside of Bethlehem. Most shepherds uh, cared for their flocks out, way out from Bethlehem. But these shepherds were important. Are you following me? They lived right there near Bethlehem in a place called Midgal. Midgal. Did I say it right, Travis? And Midgal was the tower that they watched over their sheep with in the field near Bethlehem. So these shepherds know what it means to prepare a sacrifice for sins to be forgiven. These shepherds knew how to take care of lambs so that they would be ready for the covering. These shepherds were just not hanging out in the field and all of a sudden the angels showed up, but they were important, they were strategic. I want to read to you a couple of things. The shepherds who watched over the flocks were not ordinary shepherds, trained and employed in Levitical regulations by the temple priests close by. These shepherds kept watch over the sacrificial flock day and night from the upper story vantage of the agricultural watchtower, the Midgal. Laboring sheep were brought into the protective lower level of the Migdal in the shepherd's field. Rather than a stable with donkeys, chickens, and cows, this tower sheltered only lambs consecrated for holy use. Listen. The priestly shepherds inspected all the lambs born in the tower of the flock in the fields of Bethlehem for any defect. Those precious Terribly fragile baby lambs deemed worthy for temple sacrifice were wrapped tightly in swaddling clothes and laid in the close protection of a manger, a feeding trough hewn from stone to keep them from bumps, bruises, broken bones, and other blemishes until they relaxed, rested, and grew sufficiently. The lambs for sacrifice were wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger. Wow. I'll keep going. Because the sacrificial lambs had to be reserved unblemished within five miles of the temple in the cleanest stable with the cleanest feeding troughs, a perfect crib, eh, would naturally be at the tower of the flock in Bethlehem. Joseph probably took them there purposefully in the pinch The Lamb of God that would be led to the slaughter, Isaiah 53 says, was born at the place all the other lambs for sacrifice were born. Look at Micah 4.8. It says, as for you, Jerusalem, the citadel of God's people. The citadel meaning Midgal Eater. In Micah, the same name of the tower where the shepherds were was said is where the King of kings and the Lord of lords would be born. In Bethlehem. Nothing is a coincidence with God. He fulfills every promise, every jot, every word. Amen? I don't know if this gets you excited, but maybe it's just I'm weird. But it says the kingship will be restored to my precious Jerusalem. That's the finish of the verse. Three biblical commentaries we read, three articles we read. All said the same thing. These shepherds were no ordinary shepherds. They knew that the coming Messiah was about to arrive. They they were waiting. They were waiting for 400 years they were waiting. You think you've waited a long time for your miracle. Does he change if we don't get what we want? Does he change 
He is unchanging. So no matter what, we need to repeat the promises that are the truth of the word of God over and over from generation to generation to generation. He is the God who saves. He is the God who heals. These shepherds knew these words. They knew the Messiah was to come because they had been trained to take care of the sacrificial lambs. And I think it's so beautiful that Jesus was born, we call it a stable, but potentially from history, he was born in the lower level of this tower. In the stable, meant for the sacrificial lambs. In a place where he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and he was placed in a manger. You see, nothing is a coincidence in the kingdom. He fulfills every word. Micah said it, it happened. We talked about this last year and I remember going through promise after promise, prophecy after prophecy. And you see what's powerful about the shepherds is when the angels appeared to them. And they said, go find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. How in the world would they know where to go in Bethlehem? You will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. How would they know where to go? Except that they had taken care of the sacrificial lambs where the manger was, where the swaddling clothes were in the lower level of the tower. Now we're making an assumption, but the point is the angels appeared strategically to people that were waiting for the Messiah, that had faith that the Messiah was going to come. Do you have faith that he is going to come through for you? Don't hesitate to believe. You see, the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came that we have life and life more abundantly. Don't let him rob you. Keep your eyes focused. Nothing is a coincidence. And it is just so, I mean, can we go back to that? Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And what did he end up doing? He ended up going to the cross for our sins, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate sacrificial lamb. He laid his life down for you and me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We have something special for you this morning. All week long, the Lord put this on my heart, and I've been like, hey, babe, we got to show this. We show this on a Wednesday night, but the chosen, in order to, have you heard of the chosen? If you've heard of, if you've been here for a while, you've heard of it. The chosen is a series about the life of Jesus, and in order to launch the chosen, they had to do a pilot, and no one wanted to take on the chosen because why would you take on a Bible show? in Hollywood, right? Why would you, why would, and anyways. So, so they, they did this pilot and they showed it to Vid Angel who picked up the show. And they were like, no, you know, we'll watch it, but we're not gonna do this. They watched it and they were weeping at the end. They said, we want the show, we're doing it now, we're gonna pick you up. And now the show has had over, what is it, 70 million views? The gospel is going forth, guys. And it's going forth through all kinds of media, your words, our hearts, our mouths. You, you take Facebook and you use it for the kingdom. You can do anything he sets you to believe. So we're going to watch the shepherd right now to be part of our message this morning. Enjoy. I wish I had popcorn to give you all. But turn your attention to the screen. People must know. As Mary encountered Gabriel, the angel, and he gave her an impossible assignment, he said, not 
one promise of God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. To which Mary responded, may it be to me as you have said. And we know from studying these scriptures in that culture, Mary's yes to this assignment would have had devastating consequences on her, on Joseph, if he agreed to keep Mary as his wife, on both of their families. They would have, had, they would have been ridiculed. They would have been outcasts. It would have brought incredible shame and disgrace to their family name. Mary, her life could have been in danger because adultery in that culture, even during the engagement, was punishable up to death. But Mary believed as the shepherds believed the word of God through the angel that nothing is impossible with God. Just a few verses later, as Mary then goes to stay with Elizabeth, who was possibly her aunt, who was pregnant with John the Baptist, and Mary walks into the room with Jesus in her, in her womb, and all of a sudden, Elizabeth realizes who Mary is carrying and she looks at Mary and she says these words, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. That's a very powerful verse. You are blessed because you believed what the Lord had said. Now we have to remember something about Elizabeth. Who is Elizabeth's husband? Zachariah. Elizabeth was now six months into her pregnancy, so that means Zechariah had been silent for six months because he did not believe the word of the Lord that Elizabeth in her old age could bear a child. She was considered the barren one. And Zechariah doubted in his heart. And the Lord said, because you doubted, you will be silent until the child is born. He was unable to speak. So Mary has it on good authority how blessed someone is when they believe what the word of the Lord has said because her husband hasn't been able to speak for six months. So she's probably like, good job, Mary, because you believed my dipstick husband back here, he didn't. And he hasn't said a word in the last six months because he doubted. But Mary believed. And because she believed, she was blessed. Even though great hardship awaited her. And she knew very well the consequences of her decision to say yes. Yet she believed the word of the Lord as it was told to her. And she said May it be to me as you have said, I accept. So let's fast forward all the way to the resurrection of Jesus in John chapter 20. 
there was a disciple named Thomas, and we always give him a bad rap, and we call him Doubting Thomas because he said, Every, all the other disciples, they were like, we've seen him with our own eyes. Jesus is alive. And Thomas said, until I can touch the wounds in his hand and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. I think I would have probably been there with Thomas. I don't know if I could have believed. But as Jesus appeared to Thomas and encountered him as the risen Christ, Jesus said these words. He told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Blessing is the result of seeing without, of believing without seeing. You see, so often we want to flip-flop and we want to believe because we have seen. It makes it a whole lot easier, doesn't it? God, show me a sign, and I'll believe. Answer this prayer, and I'll believe. And we give God an ultimatum based on him doing a work, and he's already done all that he needs to do. Blessed are we who believe without seeing. Blessed are we who believe that not one promise of God is empty of power that he will fulfill every promise and every word that he has spoken. It will come to pass. These shepherds, like Leslie said, they were not just ordinary shepherds. They were trained and employed by the temple. They knew the old covenant. They knew the prophecies. They knew exactly what the angel meant when he said, this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. They didn't need any further direction. They knew exactly where to go to find the Messiah. Do you notice the shepherds didn't search? They knew exactly where he was to be born. In the lower level of that watchtower, they had waited for 400 years. Not one prophet had spoken. But they believed without seeing. Blessed are we who believe. Great favor comes when we believe. When we take God at his word, just like Mary did. Could you imagine that process? Because Ladies, those of you who have given birth, how long is it before you actually start to see the physical signs that you're pregnant? It's a few months, right? You feel them. Well, yes, okay. We're not going to get into all of that. But, how, you know, trying to convince other people, just like the shepherds, could you imagine how foolish some people may have thought they were as they ran out into the streets of Bethlehem saying, you're not gonna believe what just happened. We were just encountered by an angel who told us that the Messiah, the Savior, who we've waited for for thousands of years has finally come. And oh, by the way, he was born as a baby and he's lying in a manger wrapped in strips of cloth. And he's our Savior. He's come to set us free. How foolish how foolish are we willing to look when we say, I believe? This is what God has said to me, and I don't care how crazy. I don't care how long I have to wait. I will not move from my belief that God will fulfill his word. 400 years, guys, without a word from God. 
and even longer than that, that they hadn't been free. Yet they waited. They continued to worship because they knew the Messiah would come to set them free. We have to take God at his word and believe, even though we may not have seen the fulfillment of what he has promised, we will not move from his word no matter how long it takes. We continue to press in. We continue to declare his promise. We continue to believe that nothing is impossible. No matter the consequence, no matter the outcome, no matter how people look at us, no matter the rejection, the shame, we will take God at his word. If he says nothing is impossible, then I believe nothing is impossible. And no matter how crazy or out of the, the world it seems, I believe it. And I will continue to live in that belief and press in and not be shaken. One final verse. Peter echoes this. Though you have not seen him, we read this last week, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Even though you have not seen him, you believe and you are filled with inexpressible joy, even though you have not seen it. And this belief will eventually lead to your salvation you will see his promise fulfilled. He will honor his word every single time. You can trust him. If he's calling you to do something crazy, let your response be as Mary's was. May it be to me as you have said, I will risk anything if it means obeying you, Father. No matter what you're calling me to do, I accept. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We've heard that over and over this morning. And I just, summing it all up, those shepherds wowed me. Reading this story again, it never gets old. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. You need direction, go to his word. You need to know what he's saying, open the book. Get in his presence because he wants to speak to you. You see, those shepherds were important to God. They, they were cast, looked down upon by the religious people, but they were important to God. You may feel looked down upon, but don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you you are meaningless in this world. You have a purpose. You have a destiny. God has a plan for your life. No matter what you keep encountering, no matter what disappointments you keep facing, the gift giver does not change. And let me tell you something, no matter what we see or don't see, the gift has been given and it is perfect and his name is Jesus Christ. No matter what we walk through, what we encounter, Jesus is enough. His blood was sufficient. We have a sufficient savior. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 through 19, it says, For you know that your lives were ransomed once and for all. The empty and futile way of life handed down from generation to generation is gone. 
It was not a ransom payment of silver and gold, which eventually perishes, but the precious blood of Christ. This is in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. And in verse 19, it says, the precious blood of Christ, who like a spotless, unblemished lamb, was sacrificed for us. He is speaking this morning. Will you stand with me this morning? He's not asking for you to do all the right things you will when you're walking in him. He's not asking for you to make sacrifices for your sins. It's been covered by the sacrificial blood of the lamb. You are made righteous. You are made new. And he sees you today. Just like those shepherds in the field, he saw them. He came to them. He sees you and he says, you are enough because my son is enough. Do you believe? You see, this Christmas season, our Father is asking, no matter what you see, no matter what you hear, no matter what pain and heartache you go through, will you stand in me? Will you stand firm? Will you trust me that vengeance is mine, says the Lord? Some of us feel we have been robbed, have been broken, have been battered by the enemy, but the Lord will avenge. Can I say that louder? Mm. To live is Christ, to die is gain. That's been playing in my head. I know that's a pretty serious Christmas Sunday word, but to live is Christ, to die is gain. So either way we win, guys. We have the victory. And I've been battling internally, mentally all week, I'll be honest with you, with the ups and downs of the political climate, with the ups and downs of the sickness that, that we see all around us, but he has not changed. And I will continue to say, I believe, I believe, I believe. And I will chase after that manger. I will run to the cross. I will lay myself on the altar again and again because I know who my father is and he loves me. And I know I'm his daughter and you are his sons and daughters. We have to stand firm in this season and not be shaken. You see, they were in a political climate that was crazy. There was crazy things happening all around them. But they stood firm in the fact that the Messiah was coming. Well, he has come. And he comes every day. And he comes when you're in your room. And he comes when you're in the shower. I know that the Lord speaks to people when they're in the shower. Praise God. He comes when you're driving your car. He comes when you are not even thinking about it. He comes every time you ask him. Do you believe? Walk in that faith. Walk in that trust. Commit yourself to the ways of the Lord and he will not depart from you. He will form his glory, his image is stamped in you. His kingdom will come in your life and you just hang on, guys, hang on. The Messiah has come. Believe, trust. It's not about the gift, it's about the king. It's not about the answer to prayer, it's about Jesus, will we give him glory even if? Will we give him praise? Will we be unshakable? Amen? Whew. Praise God. Let it be so. Let it be so. Let's worship.